Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast, your weekly dose of plant-based food inspiration and vegan chat with me, Holly. And me, Molly. Before we get started, we would love it if you could like and subscribe to our podcast. And also, if you can spare just £2 a month, help us to keep going by becoming a friend of the show at patreon.com forward slash simply vegan. We have our live cook along for patrons this Friday, the 14th of July at 12.30 BST. What are you cooking, Molly? Oh, baby, we're doing a shallot tartar tam. Delicious. I Delicious. It sounds fancy. Sounds fancy, but it's probably the most easiest thing you can cook. I love your recipes. That, um, what was the last one? It was cashew ricotta with like spiced beetroot, wasn't it? Roasted Yeah, beetroot. on toast. Brilliant. Yes, really good. Anyway, later on, I'll be chatting to athlete Lisa Gawthorne, who is incredible. Um, and she's talking about how she stays so fit and healthy despite such a busy lifestyle. She yeah. runs like a massive business. She's training for all these events all the time. And she's a um, marathon runner as well, or like a yeah, tri-marathon runner. Like triathlete, duathlete, all of it. Yeah, wow. she's um, super, super duper fit. Um, super duper duper yeah (laughs) but first we're going to talk about um, the news this week that a third of food labeled vegan contains traces of milk or eggs which is pretty shocking wild you know it's bad enough for vegans but for anyone with a food allergy which is apparently one in six people one in six have food allergies it's crazy isn't it I think when I first saw the news I was just like oh my god that's so deceiving that they're like you know giving vegans food which obviously is terrible but also like how many times have we seen it in the news where you know there's like egg allergies milk allergies they are deadly you know all all allergies can be deadly um but like it's just wild that these things are still happening Mm, I know apparently there's no legal definition for vegan food at the moment so basically people can still market them which is absolutely shocking in this day and age considering all the legislation yeah so you could still market them Um, This is according to The Guardian, which reported on the study. The study was done by Trading Standards um, and inspectors from Hampshire and Kent Scientific Services uh, went in and tested, uh, I think, 61 products. So, you know, this is is a small study. It's not like worldwide. It's not like huge numbers. However, it's still you know a snapshot it's still of... yeah exactly wasn't it it wasn't it something like 25 or, or, or maybe even close to 30 products out of those 60 had 20, traces 24 out of 61 24. yeah that's um, that's you know that's insane yeah so people can market things as vegan even if they contain traces of dairy and egg which is so it's bad. scary it, it's mad isn't it I sort of I don't know about you but when I look at sort of packaging and I don't see you know milk egg or anything that you know is not vegan in the ingredients list um but it says may contain traces or like made in a factory which handles those things you know I'm very lucky enough that I can be like oh it's fine um because I don't have any of those allergies but you know it it it, it makes you think and especially you know as I said if you do have those allergies it's just it's so unfair mm. and even as you say like it, you can't legally cause like there's no actual legislation for making vegan food why is there not like yeah. why why is there not like even if it's not like predominantly because it's vegan but like 
for milk and egg allergies why yeah. is there not this is it protect why why is there not more um support and yeah I, that's just bananas not, to me not everyone's vegan for ethical reasons people are vegan yeah exactly you know, for health and and you know not being able to tolerate animal products and things uh, yeah. there is legislation for trace amounts of gluten but not um animal products so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, when I see the may contain, naively, I always think, oh, I doubt it does, though. They're just putting that as a disclaimer. I'm the same. I I'm am like, the same. well, am I actually eating dairy like, yeah. regularly? You know, yeah. I mean, if ever there was a case for going whole food plant based. Yeah, I know. It's mad, isn't it? Because I, as much as I, you know, as I said, I'm very fortunate that. I can look at these things and it won't affect me. And I will be honest, I probably will still be eating those, the, you know, foods that have the may contain just because, you know. Convenient. Yeah. It's convenient. It's convenient. And it's, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. But at this point, I'm still going to. But you are right, though. It's definitely, you know, cause for concern and just more emphasis on making you know, your own, um, like things from scratch, you know what I mean? Like sort of, if you're buying vegan mints or, or all of those other things, like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like vegan cakes, things like that. It, it, it's more emphasis now that, okay, maybe we should start doing it all from scratch. Yeah. Even though that is hard. Well, this it's is hard it. work. It's, yeah. It's having time, isn't it? For me, I think, um, the way that I'm probably going to go is just trying to support as much as possible. And it's not always possible because of cost involved, but mm. just supporting those vegan businesses where yeah. they are made in a vegan only factory. I think V bites, um, which is run by Heather mills. That's a completely vegan factory up North. Oh, is that the one that she's just taken over? No, that's another one. So she's been running V bites for years and years and years. I feel like I've heard of them, but I can't picture them. Yeah, they do. They do like mock dark. And basically before the big explosion, like sort of five, six years ago of, mm. um, of vegan food into the mainstream supermarkets, you'd have to pretty much go to Holland and Barrett, wouldn't you? And that's what they'd yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. They'd have like V-Bites oh, okay. and maybe some Linda McCartney and some other sort of niche brands. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that's the way that I'm going to go because those companies are purely vegan and they are you know a lot more ethical you could argue because they're not also producing meat products and dairy and stuff so. it's hard isn't it there, there should just be so we should be able to have so much more insight of actually what is made in what factory do you know what I mean like I, I I don't they might already you might already be able to do this to be fair I've just never looked but like maybe like a website or something where you know, you could look at what products are made of what factory and then you just have a better understanding and then you can make your own judgment. Um, but I mean, yeah, as I said, that could al already be a thing. I've just not. Well, I've not, I've no, I, I think it's our food um, system is not transparent at all. The supply, no, not at all. supply chains are very do complex. You know, and... Do you know what's worse as well? That the UK is probably the leading um, country for you know food production you know, when you compare to like america and stuff like that and all, mm. all the shit that they put in their food like we are actually the leaders in a yeah. sense but it's still not good yeah no it's um 
It's very disappointing. I'm surprised more of the mainstream media hasn't picked up on it, actually, because they love a good yeah. be- vegan bashing, I, don't yeah, they? I thought that. I thought that as well. Yeah, I was I was waiting for it to be, um, you know, another reason to not go vegan. Yeah, yeah. And all well, of that stuff. And it's just like, no, what it is, it's transparency on these people. And particularly, you know, you would look at companies like Richmond, for example, or those ones that are... I don't want to say jumping on the vegan wagon, wagon because I am an advocate for Richmond. So I've got them in my freezer. I can't, I can't sit here and slag them off when I've got, you know, food in the, food <laughs> Hypocrite. in my freezer. Hypocrite, exactly. Like I, I'm not going to do that. But, but they're a meat, they, gi- they're a meat giant, aren't they? In terms, of they have jumped. Do. They jumped on the trend, and there's so many other businesses that have done that. Yeah. And you know, like Vivera, for example, they're also owned by. Are they owned by like a meat? Um, giant producer i think in asia oh, i didn't know that like i think that like, do you know what i mean all these businesses that yeah that are owned by other companies yeah. and it's just it's 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 a nightmare to sort of navigate. work it out and navigate it that's the word i was looking for thanks my love <laughs> um yeah it's a nightmare to navigate it especially when you're dressing tesco and just like oh well I'm going to get the cheapest one yeah. do you know what I mean like of course. You're, it, it's hard it's such a dilemma and there isn't an answer I don't even know where I'm going mm. at this point it's just I think it's it's hard it's, <laughs> it's um it's nice to support the smaller businesses like mm. so the some of the food products that were tested were chocolate truffles pizzas burgers muffins and wraps um so in terms of pizza one planet pizza brilliant and they mm. put put the um the carbon rating or whatever on the their packaging yeah. and they're they're really we've had them on the podcast before the two yeah. guys what about white it. rabbit i love white rabbit pizzas white rabbit yeah i mean they are a bit more pricey but i think if you just get a bit savvy with getting them when they're on offer put them in the mm. freezer or or yeah. maybe like buying online you know where sometimes they're on offer yeah. on Ocado and things like that mm-hmm. um they are so tasty though they're calzone yeah. oh i haven't had I'm the calzone of... yet oh i love it Cal's, I love when you say calzone because I used to call it calzone as well. Is that wrong? Calzone. I don't like that. I'm going to stick with calzone. <laughs> it's, fun. it's fun, isn't it? Calzone. You know, I, I, I keep I keep getting called out. This is kind of this is very off topic, and I'm going to talk about Negronis now. The cocktail. Um, <laughs> I love Negronis. Like, cut me and I bleed Negronis. Oh no! Are they the one with the aperol in? No, Campari. Oh, is it really bitter? Yes, I love oh. it. It's like it's my life. I if I could drink them every day, I would. <laughs> oh, they make me. It makes me shudder. It's, of... it's it's pure alcohol, and it's gin Campari. And this is where I keep getting called out. I call it vermouth, but everyone's like, "No, Molly, it's vermouth." Oh yeah, I knew it was vermouth. Oh what? No, it's not. Nigella told me it's vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I've spoken to so many people because, you know, I mispronounced um, Peter as Petter. I mean, I've Uh, spoken to so many people that still they everyone mixes that one up. And um, I love the diversity of it all. I love what what, what do you call it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you know. Well, sorry, I took us on a tangent then. We took us down a road of, of mispronouncing words. Yes, well, enough of our ramblings. Let's hear from Lisa Gawthon now, vegan athlete, who shares her advice on mindset, nutrition, recovery, and lots more.
Today I'm joined by Lisa Gawthorne. Um, you were on the show a few years ago, weren't you, Lisa? Yeah, I was. I think it was maybe about three, three years ago. Yeah, I think you were one of like the first people we had on the show. Um, tell us about what you've been up to. You've won gold in your age group at the European Duathlon Championships and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, a really busy, busy and most successful uh, part of my athletics career this year. So um, I um, I was fortunate enough. Well, actually, going back to summer last year, I got my first uh, world podium um, in Romania, which was amazing at the World Championships in duathlon in my age group. So I got a bronze medal there. Um, and that was in July uh, 2022. Um, and then it just kind of gave me that kind of appetite to think, can I go a little bit further? Could I turn that into a silver or a gold? Um, and uh, I just unbelievably had two of the most epic races of my life. So the first one was over in Italy um, and that was in April and that was the European Championships. Um, and that was one of those races where I, I had to work every second of every minute for that uh, medal. I was actually only three seconds ahead of um, the, the lady in silver. So I, I really had to um, keep my um, keep my focus on 100%. And it was, it was a very tough race and it was very warm, etc. But um, just amazing. And again, it's very unusual at age group races because you never quite know where you are because so many age groups are off at the same time. Um, you never kind of know until you kind of walk over that carpet and you hear them call your name. So I knew I did quite well at the Europeans and, and I knew that it was a very, very strong field, but I didn't expect to, to come away with the goals and it just blew me away. Um, and then the, the World Championships were actually only six weeks later in Ibiza. Now, normally with our training calendars and our racing calendars, there's a good six months in between the two races. Um, so that kind of called upon the need to just try and stay in, in race pace condition for that six weeks, which is quite tough. But, um, you know, with my two coaches, my bike coach and my run coach, we put together a plan that, that kept me in good performance, um, went out to Ibiza. Um, and I kind of went out and I said I didn't have any expectations because my, my cat's not been well at all. He's got pancreatitis and I've just not had any sleep since September last year. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm really knackered. So I went out and I said, you know what, I'm going to enjoy it. I've qualified. I've got my goal from the Europeans. Let's just see what can happen. And I think potentially uh, um, having that relaxed attitude may have helped because I ended up getting a gold and I was ahead of the next person by well over a minute and a half, which was phenomenal, really. Um, and again, just amazing. Didn't expect it. Went over the blue carpet and heard them call my name and just thought, wow, is this actually really happening? Um, so it's just been a, it's been a lovely journey. And, you know, you, you guys know I'm very supportive of, with everything I do, particularly to the vegan movement. So on my GB kit, I carry the the, the, the um, Veganuary logo, the Vegan Society logo and Petty UK as well. So that's been nice because over the years that I've been doing multi-sport, which is going into its seventh year now, it's sparked up so many conversations and it's just so lovely to hear lots of teammates have also made that transition and decided to become vegan now. And they've said, oh, you know, you were my inspiration. And th that is like the best thing I can hear if someone turns vegan because of something that they've heard me say or something that they've seen me do. Um, that's like winning the lottery for me. Is that what motivates you? Is it? I mean, I'm guessing it's like a variety of things. You obviously just have a massive passion for what you do. Yeah, I mean... 
it is a motivating factor because I think that as long as you can propel that kind of positivity and, and show a positive story of what you're doing, and to be honest, that that far outreaches athletics, it's it's in every kind of category of life, really. So I always try and be quite uh, a good public speaker on the business front. Um, and I think that's helped over the years to, to see, you know, you can be an entrepreneur in, in the vegan sector and you can do well. Um, you can fill um, gaps in the markets, etc. And I think it's also extended, like you say, into my athletics. Um, and it was funny, I was on a podcast the other day with the Northeast Animal Rights Group, and they said the same thing. They said, do you feel like it's your calling? And I said, yeah, to be honest with you, I do. I said, it's, it's a very strange thing to explain to someone potentially who isn't or who hasn't been vegan for a long time. You know, I'm fortunate to be in my 20th year of, of being vegan this year. Um, but I think uh, it's kind of like, it sounds cheesy, but I feel like I was put on this earth to make a difference to animals. And I try and always think, well, what avenue could I attack that from? Can I attack it from writing? Can I attack it from sports, from fitness, from business? And I just try and keep it um, kind of entwined. And one thing can lead to another. When you've got a mindset like that, it's very easy to weave it in and to use it as that kind of guiding light. Um, and to me, there's nothing more um, positive than talking about, you know, the, the the successes that you can have and the fact that, it, you know, a vegan diet, vegan lifestyle doesn't hold you back in sports at all. Um, definitely doesn't hold you back in business. And it's just, if anything, I always say, say and I know it sounds a bit corny, but I class it as my superpower. <laughs> I love that. You, you've mentioned mindset. I mean, for, I know a lot of people listening and myself included, it's it's when you see athletes like yourself, you know, you think how on earth, like, you know, how do they find the time and how do they avoid getting injured? Like there's so many kind of, I don't know, lots of questions that I think people have that how, how do you actually do it? I mean, how much of it is mindset, you know, just that determination to keep going, even though I'd imagine a big part of your brain is saying, what are you doing? Just stop <laughs> doing this now. This hurts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think fortunately for me, I have a very addictive personality. So whatever I do in life, I do it 110%. So I think that that always helps. Um, plus, I've always I kind of been brought up by my parents to have quite a, a dedicated, kind of committed um, lifestyle. So if you do something, do it as well as you possibly can do. And I think that's always kind of rang quite loudly in my ears and definitely played in my mind uh, in athletics and business. And it is hard, Holly, you are completely right. I mean, don't get me wrong, when I've got to set the alarm for silly o'clock in the morning um, and get on the walk bike and do, you know, 40 miles before my first um, my first meeting of the day, knowing I've then got to go out and run five miles on my dinner hour. And then at the end of the day, get in the gym and do some strength and conditioning. It is absolutely very, very hard. But I think it's, it's like any habit. Once you start to get into that and you break it, the first seven days are always the hardest. Once you get past that seven day, really easy. And then once you get into the sort of 21, 28 day, and you've gone past the month, it becomes a way of life. And I think it becomes strange to not do it. Um, and your body just becomes um, accustomed to it. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the big things that you need to be able to do with that is you've got to make it work from a, a work-life uh, balance point of view. If people have got families or businesses to run, you've, you've got to work it around the hours that you can do. You've got to ensure you're getting enough sleep. And, and that is one thing that I've really struggled with. 
um, since September when uh, obviously I told you my cat was ill. Um, I've just not had a good night's sleep at all. So it's very, very tough um, to, to kind of keep that going. And I've just got to look for innovative ways. If I've got an, an hour in the sort of early afternoon where I can see the cat sleep and I might take a, a little sleep as well just to get some extra Zs in. Um, but one thing I will say is eating vegan foods definitely helps keep the energy levels high. Um, you know, with all those extra phytonutrients and all those great vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, um, I think that that plays a huge part because everyone says to me, surely you are completely jacked on coffee. You must be literally caffeine central, <laughs> caffeine central. And ironically, I'm not allowed to have caffeine because I had a heart operation in 2007. Um, which has banned me from any substances because I had something called supraventricular tachycardia uh, when the heart races very fast and gives you severe palpitations. So I had a small operation um, called a radio frequency heart ablation to correct that. But one of the things that you're not allowed to do is have any stimulants in your diet. So I am literally powered by water or electrolytes. Um, and people can never get over that when they meet me because they're like, but you're such a ball of energy and you never stop and it's rah, rah, rah. But I, I do put that down to um, that, that vegan diet, you know, kind of giving me that. It's like a glow. It just gives you constant, constant mm -hmm. energy um, because your digestive system isn't having to work hard to break down the animal protein. Um, so I think that that plays a huge part in why I'm always like a jumping jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what sort of diet do you follow then when you're training? What's like, what does a, a day of eating for you look like? Well, first of all, massive volume. <laughs> because <laughs> you're just literally, you, everyone always says to me when they see me, you're just always eating. You are always, always eating. Literally, <laughs> I've just got rid of a massive bowl here of porridge um, after having yogurt and berries about half an hour before that, but it's constant. So um, what I tend to do is if I am training for a big competition, um, it tends to be relatively carb specific quite carb heavy, but very good carbs. So carbs from things like oats, um, brown rice, brown pasta, whole grain breads, all things like that. So the, the good carbs. Um, and um, I get a lot of protein. Well, I actually, when I compare my protein to a lot of my friends, I like double stroke, triple what they do um, because I have a lot of um, legumes, pulses, nuts, seeds, um, tofu, satan, jackfruit, etc. So it tends to be if I know I've got very, very, if I've got a race or I've got a hard training schedule, I go very carb high um, prior to that. And that might be two or three days prior to the race as well to carb lows. Um, and, um, and again, around my training sessions. And then afterwards, I go quite protein high because uh, it's really important to when you're working out, obviously you break down lots of little muscle fibers and it's important to get the protein in to repair those muscle fibers back together. So I'm very big on literally within that sort of 20 to 40 minute window after working out, making sure that I've still got carbs in there, but it's probably more protein heavy. So a normal day for me would be starting the morning with porridge, um, lots of fruits, lots of nuts, etc. Mid-morning snack will, will be, if I'm on lots of conference calls, I'm quite busy, I'll just do a protein shake and a banana. Um, lunchtime, I'll probably have something like a tofu salad, um, maybe with some uh, soup or something like that. And then mid-afternoon, um, I'll be having rice cakes and peanut butter. Um, and then evening, I'll be having 
um, something like bean cassoulet with broccoli and tofu. I'm big on power bowls. So just having a, a bowl and dividing it into really cool things like a quarter quinoa, a quarter greens, a quarter beans, and just mixing it all up, um, have that quite regularly. And then it doesn't end then. I have a, a mid-evening uh, snack, <laughs> which uh, a favourite of mine. I get some protein powder. I get some yoghurt, um, Alpro yoghurt I use. Um, loads of fruit, mix it all up and make myself like a, a nice healthy dessert as well. So it's like six kind of, six meals a day, uh, sort of like three mini meals and three sort of slightly bigger meals. Um, and that's normally during either when I'm training hard or when I'm on the, on the uh, run up to a race. Right. God, it sounds exhausting. I know. Like, you're, you know, you're working, you're training, you're eating. I mean, yeah. it, all that food prep must take time as well. Well, it does. It does. Luckily, my, my boyfriend, who, uh, well, he's slightly different to me. He's a strength trainer, so he's fully bodybuilding, etc. cetera. Um, he does all the prep for the food, so I'm blessed with that. So he oh, prepares everything, um, has it all in little boxes, has it all pre-weighed oh. out. So it's absolutely, I'm so lucky to have that um and uh, i fend for myself one week a month when he's over in turkey so uh literally uh, i do my own things then but yeah it's uh, it helps because that preparation again you've got to get up either super early or be doing yeah. it late in the evening so w- with everything with food with nutrition with sports with business it's just preparation you've got to be like you've got to be planning your weeks you know i have a three-month schedule i'm always working three months ahead from the races from the business meetings um from a nutritional uh, like periodized nutrition etc um and i think having that there as a big kind of visual poster to keep on thinking like what's on this week what's on next week it just makes it easier to understand rather than going into blind panic on a sunday night and thinking oh my god i've got to prepare 21 food portions (laughs) (laughs) oh that does not sound fun (laughs) do you you ever sort of burn out or get ill or just kind of just can't get out of bed because you're just so exhausted from you know perhaps after a race or anything like that yeah i mean occasionally i mean what i will say is um i don't really suffer with a lot of things like uh coughs and colds or viruses or anything like that um but um i do have bad asthma um and it is quite tough to sometimes get my asthma under control um and actually quite unfortunately for me my asthma is really it's worse sort of between april and september which is the key racing period so over the last few years i have actually missed out on quite a lot of big competitions because that's completely flawed me where i've not been able to get on the bike i've not been able to go for a run i can't even pick up a, a one kilo weight it's it's insane what that does to me um and i've had that since i was a child and that's just the cross i've got to bear unfortunately on that situation um but what i will say is um rather than getting overly burnt out i'm quite good at recovery so if i run a race let's say i run a 10k or a 5k on a saturday morning or a sunday morning i think to myself right my reward for that is some sleep so i will then go home and even if it's middle of the day i know a lot of people can't do this but i love it i look forward to my post-race sleep um (laughs) just to get two or three hours in and then that kind of gets me over that hill if i've took on a lot of electrolytes after the race during the race etc or before the race and then I get my sleep in, I actually feel quite revived a few hours later. If I didn't do that, and I just kind of tried to get on with my day after a race, I probably would feel a little bit more lethargic and a little bit more like, you know what, I need a couple of days out of this. Um, but my coach, my running coach, Tony, is really good with me because 
he's, he's one of those coaches that says, let's just go with how you feel. Like if you're feeling really drained one day, like if I've got back-to-back business meetings and the last thing I feel like doing is going on a five-mile run, he's like, that's fine, Lisa. We won't chase it. We won't try and put it in tomorrow. We'll just let it go and we'll start again tomorrow. And I think having that mentality around me rather than thinking I've got to put it all in and then we'll have to bring Tuesdays onto Wednesdays and Wednesdays onto Thursdays and all that, which causes a nightmare. Um, it's just you have to deal with the cars that life throws at you. And if if I do feel tired or if I do feel that I'm just too busy, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. You know, I have to take my cat over to the emergency vets and I'm there for, you know, half an afternoon. I just think, well, I'm not training today because he's the priority. Um, So I just I'm quite realistic with that. But that's me being a bit more mature because in the past I'd chase it and be coming home thinking, oh, it's all right. It's 20 to midnight. I'll just go and do my run now, which is insane. You know, you can't do that. Um, so now I've got a very realistic view on it. And I think, do you know what? There's only so many hours in the day. I'm not superwoman. I have to yeah. just do what, what I can do. And, and, and that works well for me. Yeah, I think that's great advice for anyone just in general life, isn't it? You know, sometimes... I know <laughs> in my life, I try and cram so much in, you know, I've got children, I'm working full time. I'm trying to keep fit, uh, you know, keep the house clean. I've got yeah. a big family and it's just sort of goes on and on and on. And, you know, suddenly it all stacks up and you're like, uh, I don't think I can cope with all this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's very overwhelming. No matter what you do in life, whether um, even, you know, even a stay at home parent has a hectic life, a very hectic life. I've got friends that are stay at home parents and it blows my mind what they do during the day, you know, take it, getting the kids up ready for school, doing all the washing and doing all the chores during the day, picking the kids back up, prepping all the meals. That to me is, is harder than what I'm doing because you're having to do it for so many people as well. You're not just doing it selfishly for yourself. So, um, in every walk of life, I actually do think, especially the world we live in now, everything is so overwhelming. You're getting bombarded by social media. We've not just got emails to keep up with anymore, but we've got WhatsApps and voicemails and, you know, everything that goes with it, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything that everyone, you know, seven apps that you have to check every few hours. It's insane. It's very, very tiring. So, um, yeah, if you've got that attitude where you just think, do you know what? There's only so many hours in the day and you prioritise. I think that that's key, really. You can only get done what you can get done in the day and push everything on to tomorrow. I always have a good saying to people and I say, kick it into the long grass. (laughs) (laughs) All my balls are in the long grass that I never get to. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to steal that saying. (laughs) You're uh, you're such an inspiration. I mean, you know, I just, it's, it's, it's just great to sort of, hear how your mind works, you know, and sort of think, right, you know, I need to get a bit more organized with my life and my time. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I think that started though, even in university, um, because at university, I always found it quite hectic because I didn't live away at university. So I had to think, right, I've got to plan the travel schedule, which was like uh, a mile and a half walk to a train station, a half an hour train uh, into Liverpool, and then another mile and a half the other end. And then having to do that back each day, plus thinking about my study, plus thinking about my fitness. I think it was at that time where I thought, right, I need to buy a file of facts, which makes me sound so old. (laughs) (laughs) And I need to literally start blocking things out to think, that's my travel time, that's my study time, that's my workout time. And it's kind of carried on really since those college days into into business and athletics. But Mm. you've got to plan ahead. I, I used to be, when I first 
started training i used to just be oh i'll just train to how i feel each day but i ended up getting anxious because i was thinking well what am i doing am i doing it in the right in the right way my mind works in which i have to know what i'm doing when i'm doing it and also i think it's important if you understand the functional benefit of why you're doing things a certain way like why am i doing weights at the end of the day this day or why am i doing them at the beginning of the day that way there's always a reason for why you do it why am i eating this much food why are my macros this way um and analyzing things which is very easy in the in the in the world we live in with all the wearables we have now with our garmin watches and my fitness pal etc you know you've got as much data about anything um and that's only set to continue so i think just keeping it to that level of thinking prioritizing is is really important really Let's just talk about vegan, the vegan runners for a moment. So you're a member, aren't you? Um, yeah, yeah. And I've just actually gone first claim for them. So they've always kind of been my second claim club because I've, I've been um, running first claim for Liverpool, Pembroke, Sefton. But they've asked me so many times, just please, would you come first claim for us? And it's been uh, quite, quite difficult because I've had a lot of league matches that I've had to do around the Northwest. And I've thought to myself, no, this is the year I'm going to do it because I've got some groundbreaking things happening this year because it's my 20th big anniversary. So I thought, right, first claim, I'm going to go first claim for them on my 20th year. So now I do one first claim for them, which I've made. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so what, do, what does that mean? So you put them down as your club when you enter yes. events, yeah. Yeah, so that means that basically any results that I do moving forward uh, will go into, they'll be able to pick them up from the vegan runners thing. So I can always run them a vest because if you're not, if you are in a club um, or and you've already got your second claim, um, sorted you can still join vegan runners as a member only situation where you just wear the clothes or you can be second claim or you can be first claim so i'm all in for that now and i've been they've been very supportive of me over the years um and it's lovely to be around so many like-minded individuals as well because bear in mind it's the fastest growing athletics group in the uk um i think it's somewhere between three or four thousand uh, runners in that group now which is unbelievable um, and I remember when I was wearing the vest, probably about, I don't know, 10 years ago, um, and nobody wore it. And now I absolutely love the fact that I rock up to races and I will always, no matter where I am, I'll meet at least another two or three in the vest. Yeah. And I'm like, brilliant. That's really, really great to see. And I'm sure yeah. every other vegan runner feels that same kind of buzz as well. It's such an amazing community. I've recently sort of um, got my vest and everything and start. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of more of a 510k sort of girl, you know, <laughs> nowhere yeah. near what you're doing. But it's, um, yeah, you do feel really proud and it does make you push yourself that bit harder because you're like, you know, you want to sort of do it for the animals and, and do it to represent the club. Absolutely. And when you do see someone else in the vest, it's kind of like, oh, well um we mentioned you've got exciting things coming up this year then so what what have you got planned uh well the like, athletics wise what I've done, it's been really strange as i say because everything was so jam-packed at the beginning of the year that my international multi-sport um uh, appearances were done by may which is unbelievable because normally we have uh, we have other activities normally the Wales or the Europeans in September. So I'm done with multi-sport for the year, I think, because of pre-qualified for next year's European and Wales anyway. Um, and what we're trying to do is, out of the two disciplines in duathlon, if anyone doesn't know, duathlon is run, bike, run, rather than swim, bike, run in triathlon. 
out of the two disciplines, I've always been um, a much stronger runner. I've worked hard on my bike and I've got so much better over the years. And I'm proud to say that, you know, I'm up there with the best of the best, given that it was never my forte. Um, but I'm much, much stronger on running. So what we've said, myself and my running coach have said, we'll just start attacking um, all of the distances and seeing what we can do. Now, bear in mind, I PB'd in every single distance last year. Um, so it's now trying to, and I really put my heart and so on to that. So it's now trying to see what else we can do this year. So I've got two big goals to do this year. Athletics, if I can, I'd love to go sub 38 in my 10K, so 37 something. And I'd love to go um, sub, um, sub 18 in my 5K, so 17 something. Um, and I'm hopefully on the, the right trajectory to potentially do that. Um, and that would be something that, you know, I've been chasing for a good few years. That would be really, really, really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially going to be looking at uh, competing in the European Masters Athletics in September, if I can fit it in. So that's similar to what I've been doing on multi-sport, but purely about running. Um, so that would be over in Pescara in Italy if I do that. Um, and then, like I say, just chasing down those disciplines, seeing if I can get a 1500 meter PB and a 3K PB. I managed a, a one mile PB two weeks ago where I actually won the Manchester mile. Um, won my age group, um, was the fastest out of all 10 races, the fastest out of all females, and did a 12 second PB. So I ran that mile in five minutes 30. Um, wow. So I was really, really, really made up with that. Um, so I want to kind of continue with that and see if I can. Um, just PB in some more distances, really. And uh, so that would be the, the big things on the on the athletic side of, uh, of the world. And then the other big thing I've been focusing on is my launch of the vegan deck, which you may or may not have seen. Um, yeah. So this is just, this is a deck of 67 fully illustrative and informative cards. Um, like they are, they've been going so well. We've just been selling them online at the moment. Um, they're about to go on Amazon um, in the coming weeks. Um, they're on Etsy and they're also obviously on, on the normal uh, www.vegandeck.com site. Um, but that's been a big, big passion of mine. I actually started this project three years ago. And this came about, funny enough, by I had a little journal where I was keeping anytime anyone asked me a question or anytime something popped into my head or I was asked to write for a magazine on a certain article, um, I kept like a, a journal and I thought, you know, it'd be lovely to turn that into a book. But then I started thinking about images that would portray it better. And then I thought, you know what, it'd be better as a deck because I love these decks. I've always collected them over the years, yeah. mindfulness decks and yoga decks and crystal decks and everything. Um, so I decided after about two or three years of collecting really, really good sort of questions, answers, swaps, you know, all kind of different things, the normal questions that people ask if they're going to go vegan or they've been vegan, um, food swaps they can make, uh, ex- you know, th- junctions that they come to in life where they've got to kind of have a bit of uh, help. I, uh, I created that and called it the Vegan Deck. So that was and that is my kind of presence in myself this year in celebration of my 20th year of being vegan. So that's actually coming to Bravura Foods now. Um, and we're going to be uh, pushing that between now and the end of the year to get that out and to get um, some more uh, listings for that, not just in the UK, but obviously globally as well, because it's quite a unique proposition. So fairly, fairly busy from a business point of view and fairly busy from, from an athletics point of view. But I think that that's the way I prefer it. I couldn't just sit here with, with no goals between now and the end of the year. Yeah. And, a, and an ill cat as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, Lisa, you are such a joy. We'll link to the vegan deck in the show notes so that people can go and check that out and hopefully purchase it. But yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. I could literally have you on the show like, you know, once a month because you're just <laughs> so great to talk to and so inspirational. Aww. Good luck. Good luck with all your events. And, um, you know, thank you for everything that you do for the movement. Oh, thank you, Holly. It's a pleasure. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. Leave us a review on your platform of choice or send us an email, simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk. Please do also check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash simplyvegan. We'd love for you to become a friend of the show for just £2 a month. And you can also try an issue of Vegan Food Living magazine for just 99p when you visit veganfoodliving.com forward slash podcast. See you tomorrow for our short episode, Something for the Weekend.